All the Ignite home games are on 1230 The Game. 1230 KLAVAM Las Vegas. Why do you want to fight? This is The Fight Game with Demond Cotton. Hello, hello, and welcome to another exciting edition of The Fight Game on 1230 The Game. I am your host, Damon Cotton, and I say it each and every week. But there is so much to talk about in the world of combat sports. Where should we start? We're going to start off with a recap of UFC 283. Got Ryan McKinnell. He's going to be joining us a little bit later, around 20 minutes into the show. Talk to Big Mac about... The WWE Royal Rumble. I mean, this Saturday it's taking place. Also going to touch on the Jay Briscoe tribute that happened on AEW last night on Dynamite. And also, in a few good minutes, going to talk about a little boxing. Not the boxing that I've been partaking in. I think that I'm getting better each and every day when I hit the mitts and I get in the ring and I spar. But no. Former UFC heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou. And is he going to take on Tyson Fury in the boxing ring? What is Tyson Fury going to do there? We're going to talk about that in a few good minutes to close out the show. But first, let's talk about UFC 283 that took place this Saturday in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And we're going to get straight into the main event as Jamal Hill became the UFC light heavyweight champion of the world, defeating Glover Teixeira by unanimous decision. 50-44 across the board. Jamal Hill, he went in. Talked to him last week on the show. He was all business. A pretty short interview because I could just tell that he was locked in. He was in the zone. And leading up to the fight week, you could see that the moment was never too big for Jamal Hill. He even, I mentioned, hey, the hostile crowd. What do you think it's going to be like that? Walking into enemy territory really didn't phase him at all because Jamal Hill was all business. This is someone where you really don't, it's hard to contextualize for some people on the outside that this is what it's all about. It's that championship fight, what you've been working hard for for so long. And Jamal Hill, he was able to realize that when he took on Glover Teixeira, and it was an absolute beating, a drumming. Whichever way you want to describe this lopsided victory, it was that. Jamal Hill was him on Saturday night at UFC 283. At some points, it was almost... Cover your eyes, you don't want to watch bad. It was somebody throwing the damn towel bad to steal the line from Rocky IV because it was so bad. In that third round, he was pouring it on Glover Teixeira, pouring it on, pouring it on. In the fourth round, I honestly thought the fight should have been stopped. For me, it would have been okay if Glover Teixeira, if the, stop, if the fight was stopped by TKO. But I also think that in the co-main event, Brandon Moreno defeating Davis and Figueredo, I think that that played a little bit into it where they said, hey, we already had a doctor stoppage in the last fight as someone beat a Brazilian, and we saw how Brandon Moreno was received by the crowd. So it was nice and honorable that the UFC let Glover go out on his shield. But man, it was a beating. And Jamal Hill, post-fight, I know love him or hate him, Maybe we talked about this when he was on the show last year ahead of before he even knew he was getting the title shot. But it was almost that talk of, hey, man, why do you think that the fans don't perceive you as well? Hey, you're you're one of the most successful fighters to come off of the contender series. Why do you think you're not getting the love as, let's say, a Sean O'Malley? 
And it was hard to explain because Jamal Hill, he goes out there, he has exciting fights, he's always looking for the stoppage, but still not being embraced by the UFC fans. But I really do think that his performance against Glover, that's going to put him in a new light. He's obviously now the UFC light heavyweight champion, but the post-fight speech that he gave, where he's on his knees, he's crying, he's looking humble, the boyhood dream has come true. And then he flips the switch immediately and says, what the y'all got to say now? And then that was the moment where you knew that Jamal Hill for that moment. Hey, man, it was go time now. What the y'all got to say now as he wins the UFC light heavyweight championship. So going forward, we saw what he was able to do to Glover. And shout out to Glover Teixeira. This man, he said after the fight Glover did, he's too tough for his own good. You saw that basically he split open. Raw hamburger meat basically is what his face looked like, but he still, he, (laughs) he took those punches and he kept going forward and forward and forward. And in the fifth round, you thought maybe if he could, if he can land the right shot on Jamal, he could turn this around. He very well may win this, but that just wasn't the case. But now that makes the, that begs the question, what's going to be next for Jamal Hill called out Yuri Prohashka a little bit and Yuri put out the video where he's out in the snow and he challenges Jamal and he says, I'm coming. I'm coming twice. Pause. But Yuri Prohashka wants you to know that he is coming for Jamal Hill, something that's been floated about the Internet. And I haven't seen anyone in the, on the UFC side bring it up. I would love to see Alex Padilla take on Jamal Hill, avenge the master, Glover Teixeira, the mentor, The student becomes the teacher where if he could just take on Jamal Hill, for me, storyline purposes, that would be such a great fight. He's already thrown his his hat in the ring, Alex Perea, because of Yuri Prohoshka. He's out. Who's going to be the number one contender in that light heavyweight division? Could it be Ankalaev? Could it be Blahovich? Those two, it's not their fault that they had a boring fight. (laughs) It's not their fault that it went to a decision. But I don't know who would be rewarded. I don't know who you reward after two guys have a draw to reward them for that light heavyweight title shot. I'd say maybe give them a rematch. And then after that, the winner gets Jamal Hill. Because both guys, that's the problem with the draw. Both guys could say, hey, I did enough to win that fight. Or if the other guy, I know what's deserved got to do with it, who deserves a shot more. But the other guy would have a gripe with the UFC if, hey, Uncle Iev gets the next shot at Jamal Hill. Why isn't it Blahovich? If Blahovich gets the shot, hey, Ankalaev could say, why does he get that shot against Jamal Hill? And I know that this would create a little bit of a backlog at middleweight. And has Alex Perea done enough to be a double champ in the UFC? No. But I don't care. I want the pro wrestling storyline of Alex Perea taking on Jamal Hill. It would just not make so much sense logically, but the story, like I can't get over the story of how it makes sense. And I've already, if you've seen the videos, Jamal Hill coming back at Yuri Prohoshka, standing outside in the snow where he's at up in Michigan. Where you at, though? He's waiting on Yuri. And then the fan edit of Alex Perea out there with the bow and arrow drawn (laughs) hunting Jamal Hill. So it makes sense to me, and in that light heavyweight division, I don't know where you would go next, but I do think that Ankalaev makes the most sense. 
even though I just laid out the plan for why I want to see Alex Padilla and Jamal Hill take on each other, Ankalaev makes the most sense for to be the next contender for Jamal Hill's light heavyweight championship. Now let's move on to the rest of some of that card at UFC 283. The co-main event, Brandon Moreno, as he defeated Davison Figueredo, and I've talked to a lot of people about this doctor stoppage, you know, at the end of the third round. Was it a punch? Was it a poke to the eye? Was that a legal punch? To me, it's legal. Of course it goes. He didn't technically hit him with the thumb joint there. Some people are saying, hey, well, that, that's technically an eye poke. It's the only part of the MMA glove that's, that's exposed when it comes to the way it fits around the hand. But still, he landed that punch. He still landed that punch, and I do think that Brandon Moreno, he was ragdolling Davison around the entire fight. Maybe who knows what happens in those last two rounds, but to me, even if you would have had to go to scorecards there, Brandon Moreno was on top. No doubt about it. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens in that flyweight division because at 125, and you saw in this fight, even though that I thought that Brandon Moreno was winning decisively, it was still action-packed. Still, maybe Davison could have caught him with that guillotine that he went for two or three times in that fight. It's going to be interesting to see what happens after this because you have two guys that fought four times now. First time that's ever happened in the UFC. So what's going to happen next at 125? But Brandon Moreno is the champion. Another fight that I was excited to see, Gilbert Burns, Neil Magny, had Gilbert on the show and he mentioned that people in 170 are ducking him. Maybe Bilal Muhammad, maybe we can make that fight happen. Maybe we can finally see that at 170. There's been news that Conor McGregor said that he's been approached to coach the ultimate fighter. Put him in the house with Gilbert Burns. Have him coach across Gilbert Burns. I'd watch that. I just don't know what's going to be next for Gilbert because he is one of those guys that he's a problem at 170. Hamza Shemaev might have beaten him, yes. But I don't know who else above him in that top 10 really wants the smoke. And I'm just going to be interested to see. But for my money, I would say, why not just have Gilbert Burns, Conor McGregor, if if what he has said is true about, hey, do you want to coach inside the Ultimate Fighter house? Why not beat Gilbert Burns and have a have a payoff there? Conor McGregor can work his way back into shape by coaching the fighters in the house. We'll see about that. And another fight that I want to talk about on this card, because when we had Anthony Smith on last week, he alluded to it. And I'm, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. Paul Craig can either look like the best fighter in the world or the worst fighter in the world. And we saw this past Saturday, he looked like a bad fighter against Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker went out there and defeated him decisively in that first round. You know, a TKO by strikes, and it was no question about it. Johnny Walker defeated Paul Craig. The way he had his leg up and the way he just kept punching him and punching him, Paul Craig looked like he didn't have an answer for it. It almost He expected Johnny Walker to tire himself out by punching him in the face. So another just head scratcher from Paul Craig is now as Paul Craig as he now slides out of the top ten in the UFC light heavyweight division. And what's next for Johnny Walker? As we had Anthony Smith on last week, he said that he's paying attention closely to that fight because that'll be that might be who's next for him. 
So I would like to see that Johnny Walker, Anthony Smith fight take place maybe in a couple of months because we all know that Johnny Walker didn't sustain too much damage against Paul Craig. So he should be ready to turn around just like that and have that fight against Anthony Smith. And we talked about it earlier, Glover Teixeira retiring after that fight with Jamal Hill. Let's talk about another legend, his final fight, Mauricio Shogun Hua. We all know that in the UFC, you're not going to get the proper send-off. Your last match, your last fight, you're going to go out on the shield. And with Shogun, as they say in wrestling, he went out putting his opponent over. He did the job. But Shogun is a legend in the sport. I mean, from the days of pride. And then when he gets over to the UFC, he was still able to capture that light heavyweight championship. But when he wanted, you could still say that, hey, he wasn't the Shogun of old with the knee surgeries. That Mauricio Shogun Hua, to survive this long in the UFC, that's a testament to itself. Just the legends in Brazil on that card. Jose Aldo. It's announced that he's going into the UFC Hall of Fame, and his career is not over technically because now he's still going to be boxing. And when that event takes place, Jose Aldo and his, and his boxing fight, that's going to be on UFC Fight Pass. So I'm going to be interested to see where that goes and how that looks. But so many legends on this card, Shogun, Glover Teixeira, where it's just, it was a good card to see. UFC 283, they did it right in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro, a sold-out crowd. A great event, but my biggest takeaway, Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill, the UFC light heavyweight champion, and I can't wait to see what's going to be next for him because he's going to stand and trade with everybody. He doesn't have the most MMA experience, but, man, he can trade. He can stand and he can bang, and that's what fans want to see these days. They want to see a fighter that's going to stand in there and trade. He's an exciting fighter to me. I don't know what it's going to take for him to cross over and get that superstar appeal. I really don't know what it would be because he's not so much he's not a Conor McGregor type or a Kobe Covington guy where in the wrestling terms he's got that heat. He's not getting heat where you could say, oh, man, I hate him. I don't want to see him. Boo, boo, boo. But he's also not in professional wrestling terms. He's not a baby face where he's not he's not asking for you to cheer him. He's just a guy out there going to work. And I'm behind him 100 percent. So it's going to be see. It's going to be interesting to see how much the UFC is going to get behind him because he is a champion in the light heavyweight division, and it's a division that's been looking a little, yeah, ever since John Jones left it. But now Jamal Hill is leading that division, and I want to see what the UFC is going to do next. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to Ryan McKinnell from Fight Nation on Sirius XM. All things Royal Rumble, all things professional wrestling. Don't go anywhere. This is The Fight Game on 1230 The Game. Welcome back to The Fight Game with Damon Cotton. Welcome back to the fight game on 1230 of the game. And I'm pleased to introduce my next guest, Big Mac, Ryan McKinnell. And I know that I brought you on to do a little bit of a Royal Rumble preview, but I got to talk about last night, AEW, Dynamite, Mark Briscoe, Jay Lethal in the main event. What were your thoughts about that? Honest, obviously, the tribute to Jay Briscoe and the unprecedented AEW being allowed to show the Briscoes on their TV. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, Demond. First of all, it's good to catch up with you. You know, chat with you again, talk some pro wrestling, talk some combat sports. Um, but yeah, last night uh, on AEW television on on TBS, it was it was so much more about uh, pro wrestling. You know, Jay Briscoe, one of the greatest 
tag team wrestlers of, of not just his generation, Demond, you know this, but uh, but of any generation, right? Uh, passing away last week in a, in a horrific car accident, and uh, obviously the pro wrestling world reeling, and then as you mentioned, uh, sort of a controversy at AEW and, and, and TBS. Not really a controversy at AEW, but uh, a bit with Warner and, 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 and everything that was going on with them, and TBS and the broadcasting, Warner Discovery, they didn't want the Briscoes, allegedly, I, I don't have, uh, this is according to reports, I don't have any inside information, but uh, apparently that Warner was not too keen on the idea of, of holding a tribute show for uh, Jay Briscoe. His uh, brother, Mark, uh, one half of the Briscoes, they are a tag team uh, together, Mark and Jay. You know, Damon, the 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 whole situation there was the history of the Briscoes. Jay and Mark had used Confederate imagery. There was controversies in the, in the past with them. Some of their views that they had specifically Jay had, had put out there about LGBTQ issues and, and a couple of other things, right? They were young. They were uh, specifically Jay. They were uninformed and they spent Jay specifically. He spent, the rest of his life trying to atone for those mistakes, for those words, being a friend to the LGBTQ community, uh, getting rid of that Confederate imagery, trying to turn a corner and get on the right side of history, right? So I think that was something that Warner was hesitant about putting the Briscoes on television prior to the passing of Jay. And then last week, you know, Damon, you know this, uh, according to reports, Warner nixed a tribute altogether. Now, Fan backlash uh, started. Uproar began. Uh, I'm sure Tor- Turner, Warner, uh, Warner Discovery started hearing about this and, and started feeling some of that blowback. And then, as you mentioned last night, Damon, we got that tribute. Jay Briscoe was honored on AEW television by his brother Mark in a main event against Jay Lethal, a former rival of Jay's. And uh, it was just a really special moment. The pro wrestling world getting to say goodbye to, to a true fan favorite. And uh, a true original, Demond. you know this, the Briscoes are, are truly one of a kind, and uh, it was great to see Mark go out there and wrestle that match last night. Yeah, you mentioned it, one of a kind, where Weedham boys were, honestly, I would have loved to see them in WWE. Do you buy into the conspiracy theory that AJ Styles' theme song was originally meant for the Briscoes? Because listening to it, it sounds like it fits the Briscoes more than AJ Styles. <laughs> I don't. I have no idea about that. Uh, but yeah, and that song, absolutely right. You don't want none, or we don't want none. They don't want none. Whatever the exact yeah. phrasing of the the it, it almost like DMX inspired walkout, right? Uh, that AJ Styles now has. It would have fit the Briscoes, and uh, I, I have no idea. I would have loved to have seen the Briscoes in WWE. I, I would have loved to have seen them as a tag team in AEW. Thankfully, though, Demon. Uh, we did get to see a little bit, sort of, right, quasi-Briscoes in AEW when they sent a message to FTR about a month ago about a dog collar match, and uh, they they didn't get, like, an actual promo. They didn't get actual TV time on AEW, uh, but they got to 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 have their presence felt, and which led to a which led to a great rivalry and a great match, I should say, a great send-off match with FTR. Uh, and that's what's so crazy about the Briscoes, Demon, and, 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 and what they did and the legacy that they left. They were a staple of the pro wrestling community. They are a staple. I, I, I hate to say that, you know, I mean, I think Mark Briscoe is going to carry on the legacy and, and give us great matches for the foreseeable future. But, Demon, 
they did it for so long. They carried Ring of Honor. They were on the independents. They wrestled in Japan. They did so, so, so much together. It's wild to think. I know you watched the match that just last month in that dog collar match against FTR, that they arguably had the best match of their career 20 years in. What a testament to their work ethic, their creativity, and, and their originality, man. True one-on-ones. Couldn't say it better myself. Again, we're joined by Ryan McKennell here on the fight game. Now let's move over to WWE Royal Rumble weekend that's going to be taking place this Saturday inside the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio, Texas. What do you think about Royal Rumble altogether? Just the card that they've put together, not just the match, but the entire card that they've got put together for Royal Rumble. Well, I think in terms of the entirety of the card, right? Like the athleticism, the characters, the 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 moments, the moves, the spots, if you will, demand that that all makes up professional wrestling all ingredients in that proverbial stew right but nothing is 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 enticing as engaging as a as a great story right and as we head into royal rumble in san antonio this saturday uh, i can't stop thinking about or i you just can't talk about this saturday without talking about the best story not just in in wwe right now not just in pro wrestling right now but one of the best stories of the last decade, maybe more, with, with Sami Zayn, the bloodline, and Roman Reigns, and everything that's going on in that sort of orbit. And, and not just that's going on right now, Damon, but what has been going on for the last year, the last two years, the last two-plus years since Roman Reigns returned from his cancer diagnosis as a bad guy, as a heel, and doing the work that he has been doing. It is generational. It is to be celebrated, and it is a, a really good problem for the WWE to have heading into this Saturday because make no mistake, this is a problem. The Royal Rumble exists as a show to set up the main event at WrestleMania. We don't know what that main event is, DeMond. There's rumblings that The Rock might return in Los Angeles. There's rumblings that a big money offer was made to Steve Austin and he might show up. We do not know. And then, oh yeah, there's all the other stuff that's going on again. Sami Zayn, a returning Cody Rhodes. DeMond, there is so much good going on heading into this Royal Rumble, more so than I can ever remember uh, in the last 10, 15, maybe even 20 years. I'm so glad the way you set the stage. I want to go take it back to Monday night, the <laughs> trial of Sami Zayn. It was one of the most compelling moments that the bloodline and Sami Zayn, it was better than the T-shirt to me, the honorary ooze, because even that <laughs> moment was, nominate him for an Emmy, but even the trial of Sami Zayn, that was so good. Where Roman Reigns, he's not, you're not even going to defend yourself and just slamming the table and screaming for Solo to handle it. What did you think about the trial of Sami Zayn? Oh, I think it's 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 all so very good. You know, this 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 storytelling. It's all simple, right? Uh, as my co-host on Busted Open, one of my co-hosts, uh, former not former, he is current. W, always, forever, then now forever. WWE <laughs> Hall of Famer Bully Ray. He likes to say, you know, keep it simple, stupid, right? And and I think that uh, I think that applies so much in the in the business of professional wrestling. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. It's just simple storytelling, right? And then you can layer it. Then you can. Then you can bring out the uh, the accoutrement. You can you can you can you can layer it. You can have uh, you can make it feel unique and you can make it different. And that's what the acting, that's what the storytelling of of Roman Reigns, of Sami Zayn, of the Usos, what everybody is bringing into this. And yeah, that was absolutely on display on Monday, which set up a great. Well, I'm assuming tomorrow on Friday Night SmackDown, a great SmackDown as we head into Royal Rumble. You know. 
Demond and Pro Wrestling Monday and Friday. That's what we would call the go-home shows heading into the pay-per-view, and uh, that was a heck of a go-home show on Monday, even though it was also sort of a celebration. And, yeah, that trial of Sami Zayn was great. And, again, the acting, the storytelling, right, the, the believability of this, it's a testament to everybody involved in it because they're all having so much fun, and they're all doing the best work of their careers. It's, it's kind of... Um, it's kind of proof that, 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 right, there is a table feel, I'll use a Vegas term there, right, to, to the art of professional wrestling. You kind of got to, you don't always know what the ingredients are. You don't always know what's happening. You can feel it. You can know it. You can see it. It's the eye test. And, and the table feel of what is, for me, what is happening right now in the WWE and specifically with this main event story, there's intangibles, there's quantifiable things you can look at and say, well, it's this good because Roman Reigns is, has, you know, uh, hovered over the division for two plus years. He's had this championship for, you know, whatever the official uh, day count is. It might be into the 800s now. It's absolutely absurd, right? You can say, oh, well, that's great. You got this marquee matchup. You got this marquee champion. You got the, all this factors into how good the story is on top of the intangibles and all the other people in the orbit doing their best work, right, Damon? Like there's that old. Uh, that old sort of cliche, that old adage that a rising tide lifts all ships. Mm-hmm. I-, I feel like Roman Reigns is that rising tide, and everybody is kind of, you know, playing up to his level. He's lifting those proverbial ships and lifting the vibe of the entire locker room, and, it, and everyone's doing the best work of their career. It's fun to see. And we haven't even talked about his opponent in the match, Kevin Owens, at the Royal Rumble. Where do you see this story going further? Is this the end of the line with KO, and it's going to be the Roman and Sammy show? What do you think happens at Royal Rumble and going forward? Well, that's part of what makes this so exciting, right? Uh, Roman Reigns' opponent, Kevin Owens, obviously good friends with Sami Zayn, and that's not a part of the story. I mean, it is a part of the story right now, but they actually do go back 20-plus years. Uh, They're road buddies on the independents. They know each other very, very well. No, I don't think this is the end of, of Kevin Owens' In this story, I do expect him to lose on Saturday because I don't think you're going to take the belt off Roman heading into WrestleMania in Los Angeles. I think he needs to be the champion unless unless the rock returns if you're going to do a rock roman reigns for those that don't know dwayne johnson the rock hollywood megastar is a cousin is the cousin of roman reigns and this bloodline story the family it's all been centered around this idea that eventually the rock would return now the rock is returning there is rumors that he might show up in the royal rumble match right the rock is returning you don't need to do the Rock and Roman Reigns for the title, right? You just don't need to do that. That can be for the family. That can be for the bloodline. That can be for bragging rights, um, you know, for, for both of them, two of the best wrestlers of their, their respective generations, right? Um, so that doesn't need to be for the title. Uh, but even so, I, the, again, the reports that The Rock might come back. Now there's reports that, you know, he, hasn't in, he isn't in enough shape and, and, and the UFC, or excuse me, the WWE is looking to pivot and, uh, you know, not use him as a part of the story. So, again, there's so much stuff up in the air as to what's going to happen, right? And, and that's what's great about the Royal Rumble. It's the, you know, for those that don't know, match up of 30 contestants and you don't know who's going to show up. And the winner of that match getting tossed over the top rope, elimination, battle royal, right? Of those 30 wrestlers, the last man or woman in this case, because uh, there is a women's match to talk about, 
left standing gets a shot for the title at WrestleMania. So there's so many different ways this can go, Demond. But I but I think the the constant, the steady of where this goes, at least heading into WrestleMania in April in Los Angeles, is Roman Reigns is going to be the champion. But but I do suspect. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, however this plays out, they will all on some level be a part of that story as we head into the spring. Again, we're talking to Ryan McKinnell from Busted Open Radio here on the fight game on 1230 The Game. Now let's move on to a match that I'm a little skeptical about how it's going to play out. I think it's going to have more of a cinematic element to to it, the Mountain Dew Pitch Black match. And I haven't had Mountain Dew Pitch Black either. I've got to try that as well (laughs) before I talk about the match. But Bray Wyatt Wyatt in his first match back in WWE against L.A. Knight. Yeah, what have you thought about this story? (laughs) Because L.A. Knight to me, he's been money on the mic. He's been matching Bray each step of the way. Yeah, uh, outside of the first couple weeks of the story when Bray Wyatt came back, I actually think L.A. Knight is the star of this proverbial program as we head into Royal Rumble. Um, uh, They're walking a fine line, Damon, in terms of the supernatural sort of elements of Bray Wyatt, this uh, the accompanying Uncle Howdy character. (laughs) It was intriguing. It was enthralling to begin with. But as we get closer to Royal Rumble, as we're just a few days away, the last few weeks, I really feel like this feud has lost steam. The clarity of why I'm supposed to care about this match has lost steam. I think it picked up a little bit on Monday, right? For those that missed it, Raw had a 30th anniversary show. The Undertaker showed up. He met face-to-face with Bray Wyatt in the ring and kind of gave him a seal of approval, if you will, heading into this match with L.A. Knight. That was kind of cool, but but as you said, Damon, this story for me is all about L.A. Knight. This guy is killing it on the microphone. And for those that don't know, L.A. Knight, a lot of you in Las Vegas have actually seen him. Right, he, he, you know this, Demond. He wrestled here locally under the moniker Eli Drake. He wrestled in California. He did a lot of shows in the Southwest. This is a guy who has really cut his teeth uh, in the rightest of ways. Right across the board, across the independents, came over to WWE. Was L.A. Knight? Then he got saddled with a weird male modeling gimmick. Then he got turned back around into what he is now, and he finds himself in this huge, massive program with Bray Wyatt and. and, and and again, he's the breakout of this program. It's not the returning Bray Wyatt, it's L.A. Knight. And that's kind of unfortunate for L.A. Knight come Royal Rumble because he is going to lose on Saturday. He's brought in to lose. He's brought in there to prop up Bray Wyatt. But, Demond, they have to be very careful because that supernatural stuff, right, that, that horror stuff, that, that scary stuff that the WWE is doing with Bray Wyatt, it can be done. It can. It just has to be done carefully. It it has to be done meticulously. And I don't get the feeling that they're doing that meticulously with Bray Wyatt. It feels like a little bit of disjointed booking. I want to know where the story goes. I want to know why he's dangerous. I want to know why I should care. I want to care. Mm -hmm. I want to know why I should care. Now, moving into that women's championship match, the Raw Women's Championship match, Bianca Belair versus Alexa Bliss. Do you think that we finally get the tie-in with Alexa Bliss and Uncle Howdy and Bray Wyatt? Because I feel like Bianca Belair, she's not losing, but the story is more about Alexa Bliss's turn. Yeah, I mean, she might lose, uh, you know, depending on how this sets up with, like you said, Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss and what sort of story they're trying to tell with that. Um, it, it's unfortunate. We'll see how it plays out. I mean, I, I, I say it's unfortunate from this standpoint. I would like to see Alexa and Bianca straight up, right, without any shenanigans, without any tomfoolery. Um, but, 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 
Bianca Belair does need a foil. She does need a villain. She does need someone to push her and to create intrigue. If a supernatural sort of uh, angle is the way they want to go with Alexa Bliss and, and maybe even take the title off of Bianca for a little while heading into, you know, into, into Mania, I don't know exactly how they want to tell this story. I, I will say this. You can't mess up Bianca Belair. From the standpoint, she is money. She is a license to print money. She just got signed to a massive Hollywood contract with an agency out there. She showed up on ESPN with Montez Ford before that Tennessee game during the college football season. She's got commercials. She has a modeling contract. She's a former collegiate D1 athlete. She has charisma. She is a WWE champion. She has the it factor, right? So um, whatever they do on Saturday, because I really I wouldn't be surprised if they have Alexa win this, right? Um, I really wouldn't. Uh, whatever they do, they have to protect Bianca. If it is a loss on Saturday, it all has to be under the guise that something massive is coming at WrestleMania for Bianca Belair because she is one of the top five, top ten biggest stars in that entire company, gender aside. Talking all things Royal Rumble with Ryan McKinnon from Busted Open Radio. Now let's move to the Royal Rumble matches. Let's start with the Women's Royal Rumble. For me, the odds-on favorite's got to be Rhea Ripley. Yeah. You know, no question. I think, I, think, yeah, I, I, I honestly, yeah, I hate yeah, to be right so there. dismissive. No, I, right hate to be so, I hate to be so dismissive and kind of like, you know, uh, kind of dog the rest of the girls in that competition because there's 29 others, and I, and I don't want to be dismissive, but this is the year of Ripley. It, uh, I mean, come on, man. Like, we, you watch the product. Your listeners watch the product. Rhea Ripley is a phenom. She is a, a special, special, special talent. She's been a part of the Judgment Day with Finn Balor and Dominic Mysterio uh, and, and, and uh, Priest over there. It, it's, it's a solid faction. It's an engaging story. But beyond a solid faction and the story that she's involved in, I don't even know if you need any of that. You just put Rhea Ripley on my television screen, I'll be like, oh, that's a star. She looks like a star. She works like a star. She talks like a star. She's in her mid-20s. She is primed for superstardom. She's a superstar right now, right? Mm -hmm. We just have to get the stories and the matches behind her. For 10 years from now, she's going to be a legend in a first ballot Hall of Famer, right? Uh, also, Damon, we have been waiting for Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley forever. Yes. This is what keeps me from saying for sure Alexa Bliss is going to win on Saturday against Bianca Belair because the WWE needs to do Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania, and the best way, obviously, to have that done is Bianca retains on Saturday, Rhea wins the Rumble, and then boom, you've got a, a, a truly a match made in heaven. Styles make fights, Damon, and Rhea Ripley, right, showing down <laughs> with Bianca Belair. I can't imagine what sort of, you know, painting that would look like in terms of uh, them getting to use their brushes and go out there and do their art because, uh, man, they're special, special talents. We're both in agreement on the, win, on the Women's Royal Rumble. Let's see if we're both in agreement on the Men's Royal Rumble. Because for me, I know they've telegraphed it a little bit, but I'm still going to pop when I hear that adrenaline in my soul. Cody Rhodes coming back at the Royal Rumble. I think that it's prime for him to win this match as well. Mm, this is where the dialogue comes in, and this is where so much of the pro wrestling world is, is kind of split, right? As we head into this 30-men Royal Rumble, the winner obviously getting a shot at Roman Reigns and the the undisputed WWE Championship. Um, this is this is this is their this is their their bankroll, right? This is their 
big play. They head into WrestleMania in Los Angeles in April, and they need a main event to sell it. Uh, Damon, you're not wrong, right? The Cody Rhodes story is spectacular. The son of Dusty Rhodes, who left six, seven years ago to go to rival, well, not at the time. He wasn't, AEW wasn't a thing. He left, Cody Rhodes left WWE in 2016 to, I so his royal oats, right? <laughs> Started a revolution. <laughs> to, borrow, to borrow a phrase from our friend uh, Akeem over there, right? He, he left the WWE to go out and explore the pro wrestling world, to work with talents that he hadn't worked with, to put on matches in a style that he wasn't able to do. Through the course of that, he found himself in all elite wrestling. He started that company with Tony Khan, Chris Jericho, the Young Bucks, everybody else. He was an EVP over there, and then he left. And he came back. The prodigal son returns to WWE. Now, most know he suffered an injury. He's been out for months. He's making his return at the Royal Rumble. Damon, here's the thing. It's the son of Dusty story, right? Dusty Rhodes, the, 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 the son of a plumber who never was able, champion everywhere else, was never, be able, was never able to become a WWE champion, WWF at the time. Uh, you know, it, it stuck with Dusty. It certainly stuck with Cody. Cody wants to do it for his dad, right? Well, Damon, that story is always going to be there. That's not going anywhere, right? That story and the public of wanting him to win it for Dusty, we all feel that. The problem here is a lot of people right now, and you know this, Damon, want Sami Zayn to win the championship. They want to see him go against Roman Reigns. The, the you know, feeling oozy, the... The honorary oos, all these catchphrases. You saw the public's response. You saw the crowd's response at the trial of Sami Zayn. They are fully behind him. The issue that the WWE could run into with booking Cody Rhodes in this scenario and having him win at Royal Rumble, you could end up with a Daniel Bryan-Roman Reigns situation from a few years ago where they had Roman Reigns win the Royal Rumble, but the crowd so very much wanted Daniel Bryan to win by the time that Roman Reigns won and had his cousin The Rock come out to coronate him, to raise his hand in the air and to say, this is our champion, this is our guy, the crowd mercilessly booed him because that's not who they wanted to win. Now, I don't think that would exactly happen with Cody because... They like Cody. At the time, Roman was embattled with all sorts of different emotions throughout the WWE sort of fandom, right? This is a little bit different, but there are similarities. There's a lot of popularity happening for Sami Zayn right now, right? There's a lot of juice, proverbially, for Sami Zayn right now. I don't know if that's always going to be there, right? The Dusty story, the Cody story, that will always be there. People will always want to see Cody win that title. It's the one story you got in your back pocket with Cody Rhodes that you can pull the trigger on at any time. The flip side of that is Sami Zayn, you got to strike while the iron's hot. This, the Sami Zayn story, Damon, and, and, and you let me know how you feel, right? Very reminiscent of the Yes Movement with Dan, Daniel Bryan, with Kofi Mania, with Kofi Kingston. Daniel Bryan, Kofi Kingston, both went on because of the movements by fans at their respective times went on to become WWE champions at WrestleMania. I feel a lot of similarities with Sami Zayn, no? I do, but I think that you can still tell the Sami Zayn storyline and have him and maybe KO defeat the Usos for the tag team titles at WrestleMania. Where I understand and I've thought you about can. you I've thought about that as well. We said about the fans turning on Cody Rhodes. But I think that for Cody, because I want to see that story now, pull the trigger on it. I want him to win maybe one or both titles at WrestleMania. I want Cody to have that storyline. But for Sammy, if he does win the title at WrestleMania, for me it would be what happens next. 
It would be, the, but wrestling, as you know, it keeps going. You got to show up to Monday Night Raw the next day. So what would happen if you close out the show with Sami Zayn? Is the story over from there? Because it's the ending of the story. It's great. Sami Zayn, he defeats the bloodline. But who would his next challenge be? Oh, I think it would be a revenge uh, match with Roman Reigns. I think Roman Reigns would go out potentially do something, uh, you know, ultra dastardly after a few month uh, sort of period. Reigns regroups, uh, enlists the help of maybe someone else to 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 even the score, right? To to infiltrate Sami Zayn, and then he eventually ends up taking the belt back, right? And then maybe that's when you go a different way with it, or maybe that's when you do the 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 Cody story. I, I just, and then maybe that's when you go with the tag team with Kevin Owens. Right. Um, the, I think you just, the payoff there is massive. You know, people have been invested for Sami Zayn for a very long time. He's doing the best work of his career. Uh, that's not to say Cody hasn't right. You can't, and here's the great thing. You, you can't really go wrong with any scenario. You can't go wrong with Cody. You can't go wrong with Sammy. You can't go wrong with The Rock. And honestly, you can't go wrong with Steve Austin. Like, any sort of these scenarios that you want to put in there, they're going to work. Uh, but in terms of what you would do next with Sammy, oh, I mean, I mean, I think you'd have a massive baby face. I don't think he's like, and I know everyone talks about that as the, the, the counter that I've got whenever I've brought this up is, you know, is he that guy? Is he the type of of star that can sell out arenas. Is he the type of guy that can hold down the entire locker room? No, I don't think he is. I think he's more like a, like an AJ Styles who was at the time. I mean, AJ Styles is one of the greatest wrestlers in the world. So is Sami Zayn. But when AJ Styles held the WWE championship, he wasn't the guy. Brock Lesnar was the guy. John Cena was the guy, but AJ Styles was the champion. I think you can do the same thing with Sami Zayn right now. You put the strap on him for three or four months. You tell a really compelling story. You give the, fan, the fans the feel-good moment. And then, honestly, you can build Cody Rhodes. Uh, again, you don't need to build him. You can tell the Cody story after that, maybe even in next year's WrestleMania. Or, again, Damon, I have no problem. If they run Cody Rhodes, have him win the Royal Rumble, and you do Cody and Roman at WrestleMania, that'll be a great story. And, yeah, I do think if they go that route, you have to team. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn together and have them take out the bloodline. And then basically, Demon, I think that sets up a WrestleMania where it's the death of the bloodline and you see a complete disillusionment of Roman Reigns and the Usos. Yeah, because after what Jay Uso pulled on Monday night, maybe he'll be the person who turns on Roman. There's yeah. so many ways to go with the bloodline story, and it's just, we can talk we we can talk about it all day. But I gotta let you go. Thanks for joining me here on the fight game, getting a little Usi with me. Tell everybody what you got going on, man. Yeah, man, you know, busted open on the weekends, uh, all day, every day. You can hear me on the MMA uh, content as well, SiriusXM, channel 156. That's Fight Nation. And, uh, you know, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryan McKinnell. Thanks to Mom. Thanks for joining me. And that was Ryan McKinnell, Big Mac, a great friend of the show. Glad to have him on to talk a little Royal Rumble. Didn't even talk a little MMA. But, man, so glad to have Ryan join me on the show today. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is the fight game on 1230 The Game. Excuse me. I need a moment of silence so I can get into a meditative state where I block out any and all irritating white noise. I call it my happy place. Un momento! Un momento! I'll do you one better. Wait a minute. I see what's going on here. I'll do you one better. Wait a minute. No. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. A few minutes later... And welcome back to the fight game on 1230 The Game. As we wrap up today's show, 
for a few good minutes today, we're going to talk about Tyson Fury. And who is Tyson Fury's next opponent going to be? That's the million-dollar question. That's what we all want to know. Because, as you know, Alexander Usyk is the, num- well, not number one contender. He's got his own heavyweight titles to go for it. But the unification fight, when is that going to happen? Now, there are some reports that this fight could happen in Wembley Stadium in late April. So, a late April date, Wembley Stadium. That would be great to see Tyson Fury, Alexander Usyk. But no, 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 no. That's not the potential opponent that I am more interested in seeing. Tyson Fury came out over the weekend and he said, hey, if the Usyk fight doesn't happen, maybe the Francis Ngannou fight could happen. Francis Ngannou recently finished up with his duties to the UFC. He's now a free agent, free to compete in whatever combat sport he chooses. But Tyson Fury, he said, yes, he would take the Francis Ngannou in a boxing fight. But then Tyson Fury laid out some uh, some rules or some stipulations that he would agree to the fight if this happens. Because it's just so strange to see. It, he wanted four-ounce gloves or maybe they would box but still box in a cage. And I don't understand why any of that would be necessary to fight Francis Ngannou in a boxing match. Where I think that Tyson Fury just wants the attention of the guy who's going to be outlandish, but still wants that attention of being the, the baddest man on earth, the heavyweight champion of the world. Because if he fights Usyk late April, doesn't matter. I think that he's going to be an underdog there. But Tyson Fury, if he goes after Ngannou, it's a it's a more winnable fight, of course. Francis Ngannou, you know, limited boxing experience coming over from the UFC. But why try to add all of the stipulations? We don't need to see a mix match, a mix match of MMA or is it boxing or what could it be? A Frankenstein's monster of a fight. Just get in the ring. Make a fight happen between anybody this year. But it also comes back to, does Tyson Fury really want to fight anyone? And I think that that's where we're at. He's 33-0. One draw with Deontay Wilder. And with that being said, I just don't think that he wants to fight anymore. That he's, he's won, he's battled the demons, he's come back spotless record there's no need for him to fight anymore but it's that it's that one thing that we can't stay away from the spotlight the fame the the (laughs) that's what he wants and it's hard to it's hard to let that go it's hard to let go the big money the gypsy king the big name and he just doesn't want to let it go he still wants to be known as when you get that that heavyweight title the title that comes with it also being the baddest man on the planet but just the fight terms that he suggested, I just wanted to bring that out because it would be the wildest fight we've ever seen. Maybe it could be an exhibition. Who cares? But I would just, the big money fight. But let's kick it up in a spicy cage is the full quote. Four ounce gloves under Queensberry, and let's have a badass referee like Mike, like Iron Mike Tyson. That's not the conditions of a boxing fight. That's more of 
a WWE mashup. That's professional wrestling. And Tyson Fury has dabbled in professional wrestling a little bit as well. So the circumstances that he's trying to fight Francis Ngannou under, it wouldn't be a legitimate boxing fight. This is something that you would, it's a spectacle is more of what he wants. And I don't know, not who would sanction it, yes, but no fight like that would take place. I don't even know if Francis Ngannou would agree to a fight under those rules. But with all that being said, I would still want to see it. I'd still, I'd still pay my money, even when I said, hey, a, a boxing fight in a cage, but with four-ounce gloves, but still no takedowns. I say all that to say this, that if it did happen, I would still want to see that fight more with Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou more than I would want to see a unification fight in boxing with him and Alexander Usyk. Call me sick. I don't know. But Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou, I've been wanting to see that one for a while. And that's just about going to do it for us here on the fight game today. I want to say thank you to Big Mac Ryan McKennell. You can check him out on Sirius on Fight Nation as he does that busted open work with Mark Henry, Bully Ray, all of that great crew that they have over there. UFC 283 was a blast. Another shout out to UFC light heavyweight champion Jamal Hill. Going to work on trying to get him on for next week's show. And as I end the show every week, stay safe and protect yourself at all times, everybody. Thank you for listening.